Welcome back. In this week's episode, we talk about the hypocrisy of the Israeli government concerning the new Omicron variant, gay Norwegian Santa, and how the left doesn't know Hanukkah was talking about them. I'm Luke. And I'm Rodi. And this is the Right Side of the Compass podcast. All right, so let's get started here today. Um, We've got some interesting topics for you. And the topic, of course, is that the new Omicron variant and what it's doing to Israel. Specifically, nothing, but it is scaring the politicians. Uh, Specifically, Naftali Bennett, our current prime minister, decided to cancel a bunch of flights into Israel. And he also decided that from now on, everyone needs to show up to Israel and be quarantined, no matter if you've been double, triple, quadruple, Even if you got every single vaccine, you still need a quarantine. Um, He did discourage people from flying, but that didn't stop his family from flying, which is to say that his wife and his kids went to vacation in Europe while he told other people who may have spent lots of money to go on holiday for Hanukkah that uh, they shouldn't go. And so a lot of those people canceled flights while the prime minister's family went uh, abroad. It kind of reminds me of... uh... When Ted, when Ted Cruz flew to, uh, went on vacation during the whole blackout in Texas and everyone was criticizing him for doing that. It's like similar, no? Yeah, I disagree. Um, number one, Ted Cruz was, Ted Cruz is paid to represent Texas in the U.S. Senate. He's actually not responsible for anything that goes on in Texas itself. Uh, the governor. So, yeah, he, well, he's not in the state Senate, so he's not in the local Texas government. He's in the federal government, but he he represents the state of Texas in the federal government, which, okay, whatever, but he's not – if he would have stayed in, in – uh, if he would have stayed in D.C., nothing would have happened. He has no authority in the state of Texas. So it's not like he's – when there was the blackout in Texas, it was not that he was able to do anything about it. He wasn't able to do anything about it. So he may as well have gone on vacation. Who cares? You know, um, But also – you know, he wasn't telling people to, not to leave Texas. He, he wasn't a hypocrite. You know, the thing that bothers me about what Naftali Bennett's family did is that Naftali Bennett was responsible for lots of people canceling holidays and then his family went on holiday. Uh, I don't think that's fair. I think that's what a lot of people are upset about with the current regimes all over the world, that it doesn't seem... It doesn't seem that they follow the same rules that we do. And it's not hypocrisy. It's hierarchy. The The regular people don't get to go on vacation. They have to stay home because of the Omicron variant, which affected so far seven people, as far as I know, in Israel. But the, the elite class, they get to go wherever they want, and they get to do whatever they want, and it doesn't matter what they do. Uh, so- Are you upset that he said to people not to go and his family's going, or – that people aren't actually allowed to go because I was speaking to people and people are still able to fly. They're just not able to fly to like certain countries, like red, red states, uh, if I recall. Red, red countries. Yes. Yeah. So they're still able to leave. So I don't understand what the issue is. Well, first, I just want to clarify that red state doesn't mean Republican state within the United States. It refers to states with a certain amount of Omicron variant cases. Um, I know our listeners might not you know, be aware of that, but that's the term being used. Yeah. But red state means a country, a a state in the United States that typically votes Republican. So when you said, said red state, it wasn't clear. So I just wanted to clarify. Um, Yeah. I'm upset that he said that obviously Israelis can still fly to me. It's more just 
number one, he banned people from like I have a friend who was who was going to fly in with his Israeli wife. And they had to cancel their flight because he's not Israeli and he wasn't allowed in Israel because they took away all the visas for non-Israelis to come to Israel, except, of course, for Miss Universe. So if you're a really, really hot woman, you can come to Israel, which I'm okay with. I'm, listen, I, I'm very okay with that. Um, <laughs> like a frat house where they only let in the women and not the men? Listen, that it, it, it means less competition for me because only men are co- only hot women are coming into the country. So that's very good for me. But I'm just saying, because because you know who it, how it is. Like if if I talk to those women, forget it. That that's it. You know, other men don't have a chance. Um, but at the same time, it's just like you know, you're canceling all the flights for the non-Israelis, but your family's flying out to Switzerland. Where did they fly out to? I think it was Switzerland. I don't, I don't, I don't care. That's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter. Even if they were going to Jordan well, for the weekend. I think it was to Africa, and then they switched it. But that doesn't matter. Who, like, like, what kind of message does that send? Like, you know what it is? At the beginning of COVID, right, I was much more down for all these rules, and I'll tell you why. Because I felt at the beginning of COVID, that despite all of our political differences, I felt, you know, the Democrats are, are acting in good faith. I felt that the elite class was just as oppressed. And even though they have bigger houses and even though it's easier for them to quarantine, I think – I thought they, they meant it when they said like, oh, we need to stay indoors. But then when I saw all these Black Lives Matter protests and I saw the left playing, you know, these games with the with the riots, right? And they were saying, oh, the riots are actually good for COVID, right? And that you know racism you know is 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 pro COVID. Like if you not even that it was Pelosi went to a hair salon and the governor of uh, California went out to dinner to a restaurant. I mean it's the exact same thing. Well, those things too. But essentially, what it is is it's very easy for the wealthy and powerful to make these rules, right? And even if let's say. You know, you can make the argument that the wealthy and powerful live in big houses, and so for them to stay locked in their houses, it's easier than for regular people to stay locked in their apartments. And I can hear that. But at least if they kept their own rules, I would say, you know what? Okay, fine. If I felt that the prime minister was also suffering because of these rules, I'd say, you know what? Fine, whatever. Let's do it, right? But the prime minister is not. That's the thing. The prime minister's family is going to uh, Europe. It's like, okay, but I can't just cancel my flight and go somewhere else because my there are people, believe it or not, there are people in Israel whose families live in Africa, right? And so they're not going to Africa to go on a safari. They're going on Africa. They're going to Africa because they want to see their families. And so when you cut off their flight, you know that's it. They're not going. They're not going to Europe. They're not. They're not going sightseeing. It's not what it's about, right? So it's very easy for Mr. Bennett to just cut off flights. And then, you know, for his family, oh, we're just going to reschedule. Most people don't have the money to reschedule. Many people, they save up money to go on a trip. And if their flight gets canceled, that's that. That's the end of their trip, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. It depends on the airline, whether you need to pay a fee to change your flight. But did they – I think they bought the tickets before he he announced this. And then, you know, then they changed it when he – Right. But I remember remember when I was in the States right before COVID and my flight got canceled because of COVID – I was down $500 because the airline closed because everyone started, you know, that's it. There was no more airline, right? So the the idea that it's just, yeah, certain airlines will give you your money back, but they can't keep on refunding flights forever. Eventually, the money runs out. Eventually, you're going to bankrupt these companies. And eventually, they have to say, we can't afford to pay. Like, it's known that airlines overbook knowing that there are going to be people who are not going to show up, right? Because they know that, oh, 
the the airline the, these people are not going to show up and so if extra people come we'll just book, book them on the next flight it's fine right they they do that right but they can't keep on paying for whole flights to be shut down they can't do that because people still need to be paid for their time right the the air crew is not like they're not going to say oh well because the government shut down the thing i guess i'm going to go hungry today right the, the flight crew still needs to be paid the the, the gasoline still exists you still need to fill up the gas like Things need to get paid, right? Things need to move. That's how our economy goes. If you shut down the economy, things can't move. People can't get can't get paid, right? So the airlines can't afford to keep on bailing people out for buying tickets, right? So it's it's not really fair, right? So let's say someone gets their money back, but eventually someone's not going to get their money back, or the airline's going to shutter, and then you're not going to have air travel anymore. Like, what the hell is this, right? So I mean, that's that's just the way I see it, and. People were constantly talking about, oh, we have a prime minister with a yarmulke now, so he's going to be a good Jew. What are you talking about? He's a politician first. That yarmulke doesn't mean anything. He's a politician. You know, I, I'll believe it when I see it. This guy is just as corrupt as everyone else. I can't, I can't stand this. Can't I mean, stand. It even says uh, in our Bible that um, we need people in politics, but you shouldn't be the one to go into politics because because politics brings the worst out of you. Well, that's. That's kind of like an odd thing to say, honestly. I, I just I look more to the Mishnah when the Mishnah says like, "Don't trust a politician. They're only nice to you when they need you, but they're not there for you when they when you need them." Right. And right now, we need our politicians to realize like, "Hey, we can't keep on playing these games anymore with COVID." Right. But they once you realize that politicians, right, and this is the problem with elected politicians, and I'm not anti democracy by any means. But the problem with elected politicians is that their number one goal is re-election, right? When when a person when a politician's not in power, their goal is election, and when they're when they are in power, it's re-election. And everything they do, you have to understand their goal is to get re-elected. That's the first and foremost goal. And once you understand that, things begin to make sense, right? So they don't want to be caught in this problem where they're seen not doing something and just throwing their hands in the air and saying, hey, like, hey, we're not going to do anything about this because the, the thing we're doing is worse than the thing we're not doing. And it really takes a person of great courage to say no. And 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 I see a lack of that. There's no courage in our politicians. There's no one who is who is willing to say, hey, listen, death is part of life. We have to move on. Like, we have to go back to normal. We can't keep playing these games. Like, I don't, I don't want them to say like, "Oh, we're we're gonna wear the masks, but we're gonna go back to normal." No, I want them to make the masks punishable by fine, and I want them to open up the skies, and I want them to bring back our tourism industry, and I want to bring the country back from COVID. And we don't have a politician at the moment who is brave enough to do that. And before all the Netanyahu fanboys uh, say, oh, Netanyahu's our guy. No, Netanyahu was the one who did in the first place. If Netanyahu was your boy, if he was our boy, he wouldn't have shut down Israel in the first place. But he did, right? The right wing here is just left wing, but hawkish on Gaza. So my question is, who's the politician that's going to be brave enough to bring us back from this COVID nightmare? Because at this point, the COVID nightmare is a nightmare of our own doing. We're, we're in our own prison, in, in our mind. And it's getting very frustrating seeing this. And this comes on the heels of the COVID czar saying that he wants mandatory vaccines in Israel. Like, you don't, you don't have the option not to get vaccinated anymore. Up until now, in Israel, you 
you don't you don't have to get vaccinated. Yes, there are places you can't go if you're not vaccinated. It's very unfortunate, blah, 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 blah. But if you are going to make the conscious decision not to make get vaccinated, that's still an option. What this guy said is that he doesn't want it to be an option anymore for you to not be vaccinated. And it's just like, this is not why we have politicians. It's not why we have politicians. We don't have politicians to force us to do things like this. What do you think? Um, I mean, you are an authoritarian government. So, I mean, yeah, it is their job to tell you what to do, whether you like it or not. I mean, you don't have, unlike in the U.S. where you have, you know, rights, you, you, in Israel, you have privileges. So. Listen, as a, as a, as kind of like a tongue in cheek thing, I totally agree with you, but I think the discussion between authoritarian and libertarian needs to end because both authoritarians and libertarians, unless you're some crazy anarcho-capitalist, right? If you believe in the legitimacy of the state, right? Which is to say you believe that government has some value. You believe that there is a role for government. And the just and the question is not, does the government get to intrude on your life? The question is, what do we allow the government to intrude on our life and what do we give ourselves the privilege to do? What, 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 what rights do we afford ourselves and what rights do we pass on to the government, right? And I don't think anyone in Israel really figured out or really decided that the government is going to have the right to inoculate regular citizens in peacetime, right? It's one thing to say refugees are coming, blah, blah, blah. We are citizens of this country. We should have certain rights, inalienable rights, and I think the Israeli government believes that as well. I I don't think the Israeli I don't think, or not the Israeli government. I think the Israeli people. If you if you were to say like, oh, we have there are certain things that the Israeli government can never do to us, no matter what. I think the I think the Israeli people would agree. I just don't think they've articulated it. But I don't think this is fair that they can just say, oh, this new vaccine that just came out last year. Oh yeah, you should you should be forced to get it. No, absolutely not. Actually, if you look at the Declaration of Israel's Declaration of Independence, it says in the document that they will make or they that they will make a constitution, but they never actually ended up doing it in the end. So, well, you know why that is, is that concept. What? Well, you, well, you know, you know what that is. You know why that is, right? Because they can't agree on anything. There's a. They, Exactly. Yeah. There's any like what? What are they going to agree on exactly? Like the thing about the United States founding that's so unique and so interesting is that it really was made by people with vision. Israel is an amazing country, but it's made by people of action, right? And that's very important, men of action. But I think they lacked the vision. And the problem is now coming to bite us in the rear end. Because in Israel, there really is no recourse for this. If the government decides, oh, we're, we have a COVID czar now, and he decides mandatory vaccines, right? No, that's it. Okay, whatever. Um, you're, you're mandatory vax. That's it. <sighs> and uh, that's a problem. And, uh, and furthermore, it's, it's even more concerning because – like. As, as an American, I look at what's going on in Israel, right? A place where I'm living right now, and I go, this is entirely backwards because while the COVID czar is recommending mandatory vaccination, 
there's a different government minister who's now talking about wanting to retool the abortion laws and make it more easy for a woman to get an abortion in Israel. And to me, that's entirely backwards. One of the reasons I don't want to get the vaccine is because Project Veritas pointed out that the vaccine is made with fetal stem cells, which is to say that when they kill babies and they put their beta cells in this vaccine, in the production of it, I'm I'm totally against that. I'm 100% against that. I don't think that is that is a good use of medicine. And and now the, and the government has it entirely backwards. They want to make it easier for moms to kill their children, but they don't want to give you the freedom to choose to not get vaccinated. So again, it's not the, these people have it entirely backwards and and that's the problem with these people. They don't I don't think anyone in this government, like they say they read the Bible. I don't think they believe any of it. I don't think they believe a word of what's written in the Bible. And that's what's very scary about Israel right now. It's You could see that despite the fact that the guy in charge allegedly is wearing a yarmulke, you could tell that he doesn't believe any of the things that are said in any important thing at all. Like he doesn't believe any of this. You think it's more of a publicity stunt? Listen, I think that there are lots of religious Jews that are religious – like. Okay, so you know how Joe Biden talks about how he's a Catholic all the time and then he's, you know, abortion and this and that and, and he's not in commun- communion yeah. with the Catholic Church? I think about Bennett the same way. I, I don't think he's a religious Jew. Like, I think, like, I don't think I'm the best Jew. I think I'm a better Jew than, you know, Naftali Bennett. Because a religious Jew would never do this to someone. A religious Jew would never allow his family to go on vacation when he tells everyone to, to cancel their Hanukkah plans. It's just unacceptable. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable that Naftali Bennett's running a government where they want to expand abortion rights. It's disgusting. It's dis- I, I, I'm, I'm sick. Sick to my stomach about this, this thing. Yeah. So anyways, talking about taking vacation to Europe, uh, that leads us to our next topic where Norway, it was a Norwegian uh, – Norwegian uh, post office. Uh, they came out the with postal a com- service. The postal, postal service. service. Sorry, uh, it was the Norwegian postal postal service. Uh, they came out with a commercial celebrating fifty years of gay marriage or just homosexuality in uh, in Norway when it became legal, and they made a commercial with Santa being homosexual. So, what are your thoughts on that, Luke? So, I think. Michael Knowles said something very, very good, and I'm not going to summarize his thoughts here because I think you honestly could just go watch the Michael Knowles show if you want to listen to what he has to say. But I will – but he does talk about – and the reason I bring up what Michael Knowles said is because I actually want to add on to what he spoke about You know, regarding uh, Norwegian Santa. He he basically spoke about how you're going to have a a state religion, right? It's going to be – whether it's going to be – uh, Christianity or wokeism. Wokeism is obviously, you know, behaving like a religion in many ways. And and there are plenty of different commentators are talking about how it's a religion, how it's similar to a religion, the way it functions like a religion. Um, and that's very important because he says like you have to make a choice. There, there's going to be a value judgment, right? It's either that heterosexuality is the norm or homosexuality is the norm. But it, it's very you can't have a neutral, a value neutral thing. There's no such thing, right? Um, but I, I kind of want to approach it from the the aspect of Israel and Israel activism, right? Because a couple of weeks ago, Josh was on the show, 
And we spoke about how, you know, in the old Hasbara, a lot of people who were involved in it were saying that Israel is a Western country. We have a lot of the same values as the West and we have a lot of um, we have commonalities with the West that we share the Bible. Christianity and Judaism are really two sides of the same coin. Right. And it's not that I don't believe that. It's that I think that it makes it hard. I think this is also another reason why I think guys like Yehuda Cohen become so popular. Because if the West doesn't know what it means, then we as Israelis, we can't say we're part of the West, right? Because which direction is the West going to go? What does the West believe in, right? Up until 30 years ago, the West could reasonably say they stand for broadly speaking, Christian values, right? But now the West doesn't, they don't know what they want anymore, right? Because on the one hand, you have Santa, which is a Christian thing. And you've on the other hand, you've got homosexuality, which is a, a very non-Christian thing, right? Yeah. So the the this is really the fight for the soul of the West, right? Are we going to go with Santa or are we going to go with gay, right? Because eventually one is going to go, right? Well, so, what... What aspect of Santa are you looking at? Because the aspect that, you know, the red, you know, jolly, big old Santa isn't the actual, it was a marketing tool for Coca-Cola. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, 100%. And th- that's that's all true, right? Um, but at the same time, that marketing tool has power because at the end of the day, people back then still believed in the religious aspect of St. Nick, right? St. Nick was actually <clears throat> was actually this guy who he went and he started fistfights with heretics, which is actually going to come in important to the next part of the uh, the, the podcast. But uh, St. Nick was not like some jolly old guy. He, he literally got into fistfights with heretics. Like if you want to talk about un-PC, Santa's un-PC, right? And his image only has power because the West believed in him as a religious figure, right? So, yes, Santa, as he's presented in, like, marketing, is this kind of fake Coca-Cola thing. But underneath that, there is a meaning to this, right? And listen, I'm not the Christian guy. I'm a Jew, right? So don't sit here and think, like, I'm going to go – like, if the Christians don't want to be Christian – I can't sit there and be Christian for them because I'm not going to do that, right? I'm a Jew. I've always been a Jew. I like being Jewish. I believe in Judaism. I don't believe in Christianity, right? I don't believe Jesus died for our sins or whatever, right? Um, but I have to say that if if I almost understand why Yehuda Cohen and Rudy Rockman, I understand where they're coming from because the West doesn't have a vision for itself. So if I, as a regular person, want to go say, oh, Israel's part of the West, right? then how do I say that to a, a, a Jew who, who wants to believe in Israel? And then he's just going to say, well, hold on a minute. What, is the, what, what does the West stand for? Right? And I go, well, I, I, I sure as hell don't know. Right? I think the West needs to get its shit together. I honestly do. I think that – I guess maybe like I'm saying the most no-doy kind of thing, but just as, a, as, a, as an – almost as an outsider. And I don't want to say almost as an outsider because I'm not an outsider. I'm a Western person, right? I'm Jewish. I consider myself broadly Western, right? But I see this other part of me, the Jewish part of me. I see 
that I want to be part of the West, right? But I but I guess it's almost the opposite problem of Hanukkah, right? Where on where on Hanukkah we didn't want to be part of the Greek Empire, right? But here it's like I'm well aware that broadly speaking, right, if the if the West were Christian, I would have a lot in common with them, right? We'd have disagreements on some issues, but I know broadly speaking that we would have a lot in common. But I want the West to believe in the things it's always believed in so that we can have these conversations. And it's just like, what do you do? How, how do you how do you talk to people? How do you talk to the West when they don't even when they're having an identity crisis of themselves? Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone and he said that he believes the the U.S. and Israel are going two different directions. He thinks like, oh, America is going more left. Israel's going more right. And also... And also, I believe that you're right. America's in this trans. It's I feel like America's in this or the West. Okay, not not America. Okay, because you know there are many Western countries with similar values. So I would say the Western mentality is in this transitioning stage where you're like you say it doesn't know where it is and it's trying to figure that out. And there will be a point where either something snaps and we will be flung to either one side or the other i mean what do you think about that i mean so two years ago i would have believed it if you told me that the the u.s is going more left and israel is going more right but i don't see any evidence of israel going more right like yeah maybe they're 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 lowering lowering taxes a little bit but that's not what right means broadly like i don't see i don't see the same cultural forces coming to israel in terms of you know conservatism and shomranut that that's what conservatism is in hebrew it's not yemanim that just means right wing but when you're talking about conservatism you're talking about like shomranut lishmo to guard something right and i i don't see those forces here i don't i don't see the the conversation even going there right i see when i see like for example anti-vax rallies it's always it's like the same lefty like hippie dippy people that are afraid of sticking things in their body it's not it's not because they're anti-abortion and it's not because like the diff the, the difference is in the this it's in the substance you know and i don't see that substance there i also think like i also think a lot of israelis still have this mentality of you know the government ultimately is the ultimate authority and that's that's really scary you know because i, I don't see how they can go conservative if if they don't if they don't think the government gets their power from us and not the other way around right um and as to the second claim you made uh i don't know i i guess <laughs> i mean it make, i mean it makes sense i just i it's too obvious it's almost too obvious to even warrant saying you know what i mean like eventually they have to choose yeah i guess yeah they, but it, it's to me it's more just it's not even about that to me it's more just if i if if the, if you want the Israelis to believable to be able to believably say that Israel is part of the West, the West needs to figure out what is going on with it, and they need to figure out fast because then otherwise guys like Hakohen will be right that Israel is not a Western country because what is a Western country if not uh, you know a bunch of indigenous woke weirdos who you know 
or not even indigenous woke weirdos because they're not indigenous. They have purple hair and they're white and they're the cause of all the world's problems. And I guess in that way, Israel would be a Western country because Jews have always been the cause of the world's problems. So if you have a bunch of European nations that are all white thinking that they're the cause of the world's problems, then you have a bunch of self-hating white people and a bunch of self-hating Jews, you know, two peas in a pod. What's the difference? Who cares? Um, the, the West needs to find its thing. And I would love to next we talk about well, where that's before, going. Before that, there was something I wanted to bring up about the Norwegian Santa commercial. One thing I was wondering, and I didn't, and I don't really understand, is so this kind of reminds me of there, a few months ago, uh, Playboy did something similar where they put a homosexual gay man on the cover in a bunny costume on the cover of their magazine, and it brought up the conversation of who are you trying to. And if, coming from a marketing perspective, who are you trying to market to? So, for example, is it worth, you know, you know, Playboy was, is, you know, geared toward, towards men. So is it worth getting rid of basically your entire audience to satisfy the minority? So, for example, um, a new study from Statista um, said that 5.6% uh, of the U.S. is now LGBT, and that's around so if the U.S. population is around 300 million, it's around 18 million. So if you were to now put that statistic towards Norway, I don't think it's 5.6, but let's say we were to say it's 5.6 to Norway's population, which is around 5.3 million people. That's around 300,000 uh, people in Norway. So are you... So what are you trying to gain from that? Like it's the postal service. So it's like, why are you looking to gain more people uh, uh, using your thing, saying that you're, you know, pro LGBT, but what about the rest of the population? Are you trying to, you're trying to make the few happy, but in the process you might be making the majority not happy. So it doesn't right. really make sense. Why are you trying to get rid of, your main customers to make minority happy. If, if the end goal is profit, which is what I'm assuming, okay, from these places, you're, you would want to make the majority happy and not the minority. So, well, I mean, here's the thing. You got to understand that I don't, I don't think, well, first of all, you have to understand something that just because the overall population is a certain percentage of, you know, gay people or straight people or whatever it is, they're not equally distributed throughout the population. The reality is, is that you go to a city, a larger population of the city will be gay than say in the countryside, the countryside, you have to, the cities are not built to sustain a culture because everyone just lives on top of each other. There's too many people. And so I guess because there's too many people, there's no community anymore. And so that's where like all the misfits go to to kind of be together in the city, right? But if you're just a normal human being, you could function on the countryside. A lot of people who are not normal on the countrysides, they go to the cities to be not normal where they can be left alone. So that has to be understood. But I think you you touched on something very interesting. You said that unless marketing is not their goal, which I don't think it is, right? I think the government, right? 
I don't know about the Norwegian Postal Service, but in the U.S., the Postal Service is government-owned, right? At least the infrastructure is owned, right? There are private delivery companies, but the infrastructure and USPS are owned by the U.S. government. And so there is this idea that the government is going to promote its values. Like I said before, there's no such thing as a value-neutral thing, right? Either you're pro-gay marriage or you're pro-straight marriage. Either either, like, either like, marriage is between a man and a woman and sex has the function of being a way for man and wife to become closer together and to procreate, right? So if that's the case, then you, know, you, you celebrate straight marriage and you celebrate straight unions and and you celebrate those things, and maybe you tolerate homosexuality, but you certainly don't advertise it, right? But if if the goal of society is to celebrate all these weird sexual fetishes, then you're going to get the state saying like, oh, Santa's gay now, right? Because that is the state religion. We think the state religion is Christianity or Judaism or this or that, but there's always going to be standards, and either the state religion is going to be Christianity or it's going to be uh, secular leftism or it's going to be this or it's going to be that. And all those different religions have value claims, right? In Christianity, right, it's good to be, you know, married to someone of the opposite sex and be having kids or obviously be an ascetic or whatever it is, right? But in, in, uh, in, in secular leftism, being gay is a virtue, right? And that's, that's, that's what it is. I think they are – it would be like – imagine in like – the ancient times, right? Maybe the government advertises a Buddhist temple. They're not advertising like if the Japanese government in the in the year five hundred was putting out an ad to go see your Buddhist temple when your relative dies and you need to bury your relative, right? It's not because they think they're going to make money on it. It's because they're they're upholding the their their hierarchy. They're upholding their their structure, right? So here they're reinforcing their structure by having the government put out an advertisement saying, oh, Santa's gay now, right? So they're they're reinforcing what everyone else already believes. They're, they're trying to sol- consolidate power around their religion, their state religion, which is secular leftism. So that's what they're trying to do. They're not trying to make money on this. They, the, the postal service is going to work whether someone advertises or not. No one needs to advertise the postal service. Everyone knows that the postal service takes your parcels to one place to another, from one place to another place. This is about reinforcing the state religion. So that's that's what I think we're missing here. That's what I think we as a society are missing. Mm-hmm. All right, I get it because it's the government and not like a private company. I yeah, guess. They, they they make they make they don't they lose our money on on taxes, but that's, they don't care. Like they'll, they'll blow through all the money. It's not about that. The government's never going to make profit when they advertise something. It's because they want you to believe something. And you better believe that a lot of people are going to watch those commercials and say, Oh, that's interesting. Very good to know. Uh, speaking of secular leftism, uh, every time of every Hanukkah time, right? We, there's, there's many, many things that people say about Hanukkah that are just not true for one. Many people think that Hanukkah is uh, a Jewish Christmas, which is just not true. Uh, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the Christian religion. Uh, And Hanukkah is about uh, religious zealots defeat gay pedophiles, restore monotheistic religious services, libs mad. That is what it's about. Okay, so 
<laughs> no, that, that's that's what it is. Like if you if you go, I, you remember I sent you all those tweets, and it's like this rabbi, this like lefty rabbi, is saying like, "Oh, Hanukkah's terrible because it's about uh, you know religious zealots and the Maccabees were were evil and they defeated Greek <clears throat> like enlightenment and all that." And I have to ask myself, do they not realize that maybe there's something wrong with them? If they're if they're always on the wrong side of Hanukkah, if they're always on the wrong side of Hanukkah. Yeah. Um, one thing that you actually brought up, which I kind of th- that I, which bothers me a little bit. You mentioned before that Hanukkah is about how how the Jews uh, fought back uh, and reclaimed their religion. You know, they were trying to not be like the Greeks, and I find it. You know, ironic, and I, I find it strange and, and interesting how we're kind of doing the opposite now. Like they're trying, we're trying to be like Christmas. Um, I don't know what it's like in Israel, but here in, in the U.S., I see a lot of you know houses, you know, decorating their house, their house with all these Hanukkah decorations, like similarly to Christmas and. I think to myself, well, you know, we don't want to be like Christmas. We want to be different. We want to, you know, not be the whole point is not to be uh, a different religion. It's supposed to be our religion. So I, I always wonder, why are you trying to showcase um, a religion like that? So I will say this. Ultimately, on Hanukkah, the the purpose of the Hanukkah, right, is to uh publicize the miracle right so as as i see it right if some guy puts out a giant inflatable menorah on his front lawn right yeah it may be very inspired by an inflatable christmas tree but the reality is that is part of the commandment right um what bothers me more is when people like they they buy like extravagant presents for their kids or um they get like ugly hanukkah sweaters things like that. Those are like very Christian, right? But I think like if you put like a lawn decoration, the argument could be made that you are publicizing the miracle. No, but it's not uh, just one decoration. It's like a whole, it's like they're decking out the entire house. Right. You have to but see it for yourself. <laughs> I do see it. And there's like big, in Israel, we also have that. Like they're, they're um, in front of some buildings. You have like a big menorah, right? And uh, you'll you'll have like all sorts of things, and I think that's fine. Honestly, um, that's that doesn't bother me so much because I could, I see where you're coming from. That it's like very Christmassy, like to have all these inflatable items. But on the other hand, I see the religious purpose behind it in Judaism because it is to advertise the miracle. And yes, one can make the argument that a menorah outside of the window suffices, but technically, there's no reason why you can't do that. That. It, it I'm not more saying about, you're, there's no rule saying you're not allowed to do it. I just don't think it's appropriate. So I, I personally would never do that only because I don't have the strength to put up an inflatable <laughs> menorah. I'm too lazy for that. I just don't care. Like, and it's it too lazy to plug it into the wall and just let it f- inflate itself. It reminds me of that episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where Jake gets one, an inflatable uh, Christmas tree and puts it in the break room, and he just destroys the break room because he inflates <laughs> a giant tree inside of it. It's just like, I don't have the patience. Who has, who has the time for that? That sounds like a lot of energy, especially in Biden's America. Energy costs so much. 
So, you know, I think I'm going to have to stick with olive oil. But, you know, that's that's not the worst defender. I think it's more when people try to obviously rip off Christmas with no with no like with no legitimate reason behind it. Like I don't see the the how ugly Hanukkah sweaters have anything to do with uh with publicizing the miracle. I don't see how um you know, giving elaborate gifts instead of like a, just a little bit of pocket change to kids is 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 appropriate. Um, but I could, but there's definitely a connection between uh, Hanukkah and Christmas. I could, there, there definitely is a connection. It's just not the one. It's not the one that people typically make. Without Hanukkah, there wouldn't have been a Christmas. And in my opinion. I think if Christians are going to celebrate any Jewish holiday, I think they should celebrate Hanukkah. Okay, why? Um, because Hanukkah, first of all, is the last major thing that happens in Judaism before the Roman Empire, right? Because, you know, obviously there are all these rabbis and we have the Mishnah and we have the Talmud and all that. But the, the story of Hanukkah was really the last big hurrah before uh, the temple gets destroyed. And without Hanukkah, there would not have been a, a Jewish state for um, Jesus to have been raised a Jew and for him to, you know, learn Judaism and to start preaching. It would have been Greek uh, polytheism, right? He wouldn't have been around. Um, but also the the message of Hanukkah, and this is why the left misunderstands it. We're going to get into it in a second. The 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 real message of Hanukkah is that you need to stick by the faith, right? Because what what happens in the holiday, right? So you have these Greek guys, they come from Greece and they they decide, okay, so we're going to start sacrificing pigs in the temple. We're going to forbid circumcision. We're going to forbid you from learning the Bible. Um, and we're essentially going to convert you to these like Greek metropolitan, um, you know, pedophile gay people. Right, because that's what the gays were. They were, I mean, the, the not the gays, the Greeks. They were these, they were these Socrates reading, you know, gay homosexual pedophiles. Anyone well, who was homosexual ever, back then? Yeah, the island. You know where the word lesbian comes from? No, from the Greek island Lesbos. Really? Yes, the Greek island of Lesbos. Okay, the 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 Greeks had a saying that women are for babies, boys are for fun. Right. They would literally like the aristocrats would have like these children in sexual slavery. And this is not unusual around the world. It was Judaism and Christianity that got rid of that culture. Like you go to Afghanistan, it's very like the they had the Bakabazi. The the Americans were on the side of the the side that were raping boys as opposed to the Afghans who were raping little girls. Right. The Japanese had child sex slaves, right? Um, I learned about this the other day. I didn't realize this, but the Japanese had sexual uh, child sex trafficking um, before, obviously, we westernized them. But all the different countries had all sorts of degenerate nonsense in it. And the Greeks were very known for uh, boy love, right? They they would kind of use boys to, you know, kind of avoid women. Um, and and uh, we put a stop to that as Jews, right? We out one of the reason one of the effects outlawing homosexuality had on society is that it actually forced men to deal with women because in societies where homosexuality is not taboo, it's permitted, 
then let's say your wife, you get into a spat with your wife. Okay, so now you go sleep with another man, but you can't do that. So now you have to deal with your wife if you want to have sex, right? Um, this is actually in uh, Dennis Prager's book, his commentary on the on I believe it was Exodus. I'm not quite sure. I remember it was Genesis or Exodus. But he did a commentary on them, and that was one of the things he talks about, about how the 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 ban on homosexuality at the time was very progressive because it actually meant that women had more power in relationships. And you see this in countries where where homosexuality is is or, or at the time where where homosexuality was allowed, women had less power. Um, it's very interesting. And, yeah, I was I was watching an excellent video by um, this guy Shogo. And he was talking about Japanese prostitution. He was talking about how there's – first of all, I was, it's just fascinating learning about other countries. I just love learning. And the thing he says is that in Japan, there's still this idea today that women are subservient to men and that therefore women are designed to cater to men, so to speak. I think you all can figure out what I mean by, by that, right? And I'm not saying I say that. I'm saying that this is what he said that people in Japan believe. And uh, and this comes from the fact that in Japan there there weren't historically until the West came, sex was not as taboo as it was as it is now, and you see this because they had these stage actors who were boys and they would and it actually developed that they turned into prostitutes these thirteen to seventeen year old boys and. It's just like that was a culture where women were not respected, right? And I see that and I go, well, yeah, that that's very similar to the Greeks. And the Greeks were like that. And they wanted to come and interfere in this Jewish way of life. And the Jews said, uh, enough is enough. We're not allowing you to change our way of life. Get away from us, right? And so they had a whole bloody war about it. And the Jews won. And that's what the holiday was about. It's about standing by religious tradition. It's actually a holiday that's very relevant today, right? Because we see, we see all sorts of religious figures. It, what, in the on the Judaism side, right? We see like the Reform and the Conservative. They're not standing by their values, and a lot of Orthodox are not standing by their values either. In in Catholicism, the Pope is literally a, a communist, right? Um, all these uh, uh, Protestant churches, they're they're also giving up on the gospel. They're not. They they're becoming more lefty. Um, we're seeing this, and and I think Hanukkah is about religious revival. It's about religious fervor, religious revival. It's that attitude, and that's why the left can never talk, can't ever talk honestly about Hanukkah, right? That's why they always have to say like the miracle of the lights, and it's not not true, but they forget the first part, which is the war for the soul of the Jewish people. They forget that all the time. Right. Let's read this Ben Shapiro tweet that that I sent you. Uh, this Ben Shapiro tweet is very interesting because it's actually very uh, true. This is the most true tweet I read all day. Hag Sameach, which means Happy Holidays, on the first night of Hanukkah, a holiday celebrating the vibrancy and durability of authentic religion over watered down secularist 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 admixtures. Sorry, that took a little while to read that was very difficult you know it's him because he uses such big words i <laughs> <laughs> uh, see i consider myself well read relatively and even i found that word hard to pronounce so i think it's just a hard word to say 
like I don't know how any of his books are, you know, bestsellers because <laughs> there there must be such hard words in there. <laughs> so I think you would be a much bigger fan of Michael Knowles's. Uh... Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive uh, guide. Easy read. <laughs> it's, it's a very great read. Michael Knowles actually made the joke. He said something like, you know, Ben Shapiro is kind of an idiot. He spends all these time, you know, writing these books with words in them. And then I, I, write, a blank, I write a blank book and uh, it becomes a number one bestseller. So, uh, you know, I guess Michael Knowles is the smart one. So, yeah, that, that's what Ben Shapiro had to say. And then there's just all these bad takes on uh, on on uh, Twitter, uh, this guy, uh, the Jewish dream writes, the Maccabees were fundamentalist psychopaths whose subsequent dynasty dynasty was so catastrophically bad that the rabbis chose to make up a fantasy about magic oil instead of celebrating them. But honestly, if they were online, we'd probably make fart jokes about them too. Woo lad. Woo lad. Okay. Um, okay. So the rabbis chose to make up a fantasy about magic oil. Okay, okay, giant cope, giant cope. <laughs> I'm triggered. <laughs> no, they're, they're coping. They're just, it's, it's, can you, first of all, can, can you imagine, like, if the Maccabees were alive today? Not like the later Maccabees. They were like a bunch of, like, not like the later kingdom. I'm talking about, like, the original Maccabees, like Mattathias and his sons, right? They would be the Chad yes meme come to life. They'd be the Chad yes meme. It's like, what do you mean you're going to fight against? So you're saying you're going to fight against all the Greeks with all their power and you're just going to like fight them with like some swords and whatever? Chad yes. <laughs> Chad yes. <laughs> Chad yes. Can you imagine? Like they're the Chad yes meme. Like that is that is what the Maccabees are. Like unbelievable. Like so – like we'd re- – like – we're ripping on this guy right now. Like the, the ugh, unbelievable Twitter is such a cesspool of nonsense. That's why they can't handle Hanukkah, right? They also, by the way, hate that Hanukkah is a Zionist holiday, right? Um, so there's this uh, rewriting Hanukkah, right? This is on the third night of Hanukkah. Join Rabbi Lynn Gottlieb, which is to say, not Rabbi Lynn Gottlieb, because women can't be rabbis, uh, for an interactive conversation that envisions Hanukkah beyond Zionism and gendered violence. Unpack Zionist and rabbinic uses of the Festival of Lights. Narratives matter. Narratives determine how communities self-define. Are we porous or exclusionary? Do we invest in stories that glorify militarism or nonviolence as a force more powerful? <sighs> Unbelievable. That is so cringe. So cringe. Ugh. Can you imagine like how boring the story of Hanukkah would have been? It was like, oh yeah, the Jews were kind of upset that the Greeks were oppressing them, so they just they sat around and did a sit-in, and they then they sang some hippie songs in a circle and sang Kumbaya. Can you imagine how lame the story of Hanukkah would have been? I mean, I don't think we would have even had a story of Hanukkah if that happened. <laughs> this is so lame. They're so bad at this. They're so bad at this. Um, but. Uh, as usual, the politicians miss the point. Whenever the Democrats wish the Jewish people a happy Hanukkah, they always fail to mention Israel. They like always fail to mention it. Even though I think like of all the Jewish holidays, it's like the most Israel of them, right? Because think about it, right? Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, that's more like kind of a universal holiday where everyone stands in judgment before God and God judges the world, right? But that's everyone, right? It's not Jewish, right? Yeah, it's and not then, a physical aspect kind of. It. Yeah, it's very universalist in that way, right? Um, Passover has to do with the Jews fleeing Egypt, uh, not fleeing, uh, being you know let out of Egypt by God. Um, 
Pentecost, uh, Shavuot, is about the Jews receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai. And Sukkot is like a a harvest festival, but also has to do with like the clouds that the Jews had and the ancient Israelites had in the desert. Uh, and, and Purim is a story about how the Jews were saved from Pharaoh back in the day. Not Pharaoh. Not Pharaoh. Uh, it's um... uh, Art, Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes. Uh, Ach- yeah, Artaxerxes. Wow. Okay. That's a tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it? No, wait. What's is Artaxerxes Achashverosh? No, Artaxerxes. Who's Artaxerxes? Okay, I'm gonna look that up because I didn't do my research. Artaxerxes, king. Oh no, Artaxerxes is Antiochus. He's from Greek, oh, okay. Greece. So then, um, Achashverosh, Ahaserus, Ahaserus, Ahaserus. That's still a tongue twister. <laughs> Ahaserus. Okay. Yeah, so, but that was like in Persia, so it doesn't really count. But, you know, Hanukkah is really the holiday that, like, you can't, you can't interpret it without Israel. It's like such a quintessentially Jewish holiday in that it, it's, it, it adds it some place in Israel. in Israel. Yeah, you can't ignore that. And, and that's why they, they're always so mad about it because Hanukkah is the ultimate answer to, you know, I hate to say indigenous, I hate to say those words. But like, if you want to talk about Jews in Israel, and you want to talk about you know Jews like anything in Israel, like you can't be anti-Zionist and you know celebrate the Hanukkah holiday. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I I agree. It doesn't make sense because you know, like you said, they never really mention Israel. They never admit the fact that like, no, I mean they don't they don't deny it, but they don't admit it. They just you know they gloss over it. They ignore it, and that's that's really what's so disappointing about it. It's that Hanukkah really is a rich holiday. I, I really like Hanukkah for what it is. Um, I, I I usually do like a low key celebration of Hanukkah, not because I don't like it, but just because I'm just like, okay, I celebrate Hanukkah, but you know, I'm not a party go on guy. With your life. Yeah, go on with my life. It's a, it's a it's a quote unquote minor holiday, whatever that means. But if you think about it, it is one of the most ho- important holidays that speaks to a lack of religious fervor today. Like everyone, even religious people, they like to kind of temper the religion with like, oh, you know, I, I believe in science or this or that, you know, I'm only religious because I do that. But they, they try to temper it. They always try to say like, I'm not, I'm religious, but I'm not that religious. I'm not a crazy religious person. Yeah. But religious fervor is, is, is sometimes really good. And, uh, and there's a lack of it. And, and Hanukkah is a story that really has to remind you like it, it's, I guess it's kind of poetic that you light fires on Hanukkah because like light the fire in your heart. Like where's, like where's your love of God? Like where's that fire? You need it, you know. And the Maccabees had it, and and the West can really use some of that fire right now, just to bring that all the way back to Norwegian Santa. I guess I guess they're really one and the same, right? I guess maybe if the Christians celebrated Hanukkah, maybe they would have like more of a spine to celebrate, you know to do their own religions in the way that they need to do it to be honest with themselves, but they don't have that fire right now. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of dead, you know, and and it's really sad to see because they have a lot of rich traditions that I think are, are worth keeping. Yeah. And I think uh, with that, uh, that's it for uh, our show today. And thank you all for joining us this week. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Audible, and Google podcasts. 
Enjoy the rest of your week, and we look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>